Good morning everyone and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. The theme of our communion service this morning is coming home and everything we say and do will be woven around the familiar story that Jesus told, the parable of the lost son or if you prefer the parable of the loving father. So we join together in our call to worship on the order of service. Please join in the words in bold type. God of the past who has fathered and mothered us, we are here to thank you. God of the future who is always ahead of us, we are here to trust you. God of the present, here in the midst of us, we are here to praise you. God of life, beyond us, within us, we celebrate your love. We stand, if we are able, to sing our opening hymn of approach. Take this moment, sign and space. i 
We come to God now with our prayers of approach and confession. And during these prayers, we're going to sing together Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. So let us pray. Beloved God, with the anxious heart of a parent, your arms ache to hold us. And we who would come, restless or reluctant, weary or weary, stand still, undecided. No one could blame you if you closed your door, for we have been failures, betrayers, deniers. Give us this moment, God, to face our fears and failures. A moment to admit our need of your love. Lord, have mercy upon us. Beloved God, you are still there, still eager, still waiting patiently with arms wide open. <coughs> Forgive us and heal us of all in us that denies our common humanity, our pride, our fear, our shame. You have given us such worth. Help us to value all creation as you value us. And to know ourselves precious and loved. Amen.
I wonder if some of the young people would like to come and join me at the front. There are some pictures I'd like to show you, which is hard to see from the back. Um, I'm not as fit as Katrina, so I'm going to sit on a chair. <coughs> Anyone like to come and see the pictures? They're quite interesting. Here's the first one. Can you see it, Bonnie, from there? These are some photographs of some children from all around the world standing in front of their homes. Now, here's the first one. This is Sarah, Sarah, and your namesake lives at the North Pole in Alaska. It's very snowy at the North Pole. Can you see how snowy it is? In fact, you can hardly see her house for snow. And her house keeps her warm when it's very, very cold. What do you think? Would you like to live there, Pony? Yeah, yeah, quite likes it. Quite likes it. Okay, let's see another one. Who's this? Oh, this is Shin. Here's Shin at his front door. And if you look closely, you'll see that his front door leads right into a hillside. Can you see that? The front door of Shin's house goes right into the hill. It's been carved out of the rock. And she lives in Shanxi province in China. What do you think? Like the look of that house? It's cool. Yeah, it's quite cool, isn't it? It's, it's more or less living in the hill. It's might like that one. That's Shin's house. Let's look at another home. Ah, this is Victoria. This is more familiar. Victoria lives in London. And she lives in a block of flats. And in her block of flats, there's so many flats and they're so far away from the front door that when they get visitors, they have a buzzer in their house. And when they hear it buzz, they can lift a telephone and open the front door for visitors. Does anybody live in a flat like that? Yeah, me too. We've got a buzzer too, and it means you can let your visitors in without going all the way to the front door. So that's London. So that's maybe more like our houses, isn't it? A bit more like the way we live in Glasgow. Let's look at another home. Oh, this is an interesting one. Right. What do you think of this one? No. No? Why not? It's got one thing that you would love if you lived in Cambodia. What is absolutely essential if you live in Cambodia that you need? No, not heating. What's uh, in, in a funny sort of way, water's the right theme. Look closely. What do you see about the house? Uh huh. It is cool inside when it gets very hot outside. Yes. How do they keep safe from flooding? It's on stilts. Their house is on stilts, so that when the flood water comes, they're nice and toasty and dry inside. So this is a good home in Cambodia. Very important to have stilts. Okay, let's try another home. At least one more and we'll have a wee look. Ah, this is an interesting one. Here's an interesting home. Right, right. What's this home made of? Can you guess? Skins, animal skins, yeah. This is Carrie's home, it's a tent made from animal skins. And can you guess by looking at the picture 
which animals probably contributed the skins? Reindeer. Reindeer, yes. But again, it's a very important thing to have animal skins if you're living in a tent in Mongolia because what do animal skins do that Norma's canvas wouldn't? It is warmer than usual, and what else? Weatherproof, yes. It's waterproof and it keeps you nice and dry inside. So these are some homes of children from all around the world. What do you like best about your home? What's your favourite thing in your home? Bonnie, what do you like? Bed. Your bed. Is it, is it a comfy one? No particular? It's just, it's just the idea of bed. Right. <laughs> and wh what's the idea about bed that you like? Uh -huh. Feels safe, feels secure. Yep. Anyone else got a favourite thing in their home? You tell Daddy and he'll tell me. <laughs> bed as well. You see, that's a common theme. But the interesting thing, Bonnie also said she feels safe. And I think that's one of the most important things about home, isn't it? That when we go home, we know that home is where our mummies and daddies are, where the people who love us are, and where we feel safe. Thank you very much, boys and girls. We're going to sing a hymn now that talks about God as our home. This morning's readings are taken from Luke, chapter 15, and 
reading verses 11 to 32. Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I'm dying of hunger. I'll get up and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off to return to his father. While the younger son was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let's eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he's got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. <coughs> then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found.
I've only ever known one person called Pearl, but Pearl was a remarkable woman. She was a recovering alcoholic and had had a dramatic conversion experience in her 30s or 40s. One day she turned up unannounced at the radio studios where a number of us have worked over many years and declared that while she didn't have any gifts of radio production or presentation, she felt called to work in radio. And so what she would do for us was clean our studios. So Pearl became the cleaner. And while she cleaned the studios, she would chat. Most of the production team had been Christians since childhood. And Pearl used to tell us repeatedly how lucky we were to have been saved before we'd had a chance to sin. And of course, we would look at each other and think, if only she knew. But in one sense, of course, she was absolutely right. Not one of us had a dramatic conversion story like Pearl's. I think most of you know that I grew up in a church where from a very young age, maybe seven or eight, we were repeatedly challenged to give up our lives of decadence and come home to God. I look back now and think how daft that sounds because what did we know of riotous living at that age and especially in Lark Hall in the 1960s? But on reflection, the truth is I do remember a time when I resisted the idea of coming home to God. At the age of 12, I had a really strong sense of what I wanted to do with my life. And I think, looking back, I was afraid that giving over my life to God in that way would, if not limit my options, at the very least cramp my style. But slowly, over maybe the following year, I came to the point where as a 13-year-old, I was ready to do that. It felt like a momentous decision. And a quick scan of my teenage diaries, which I don't actually recommend, by the way, would confirm that it felt momentous. But of course, since then, I've come to realise that coming home to God isn't a once-and-for-all decision. It's something that we do over and over and over again throughout our lives. And from experience now, I know that God is always there, watching for us, ready to run out to meet us and bring us home. But not just us. The scandal of the gospel is simply this, that everyone is precious in God's eyes and everyone is loved. That God longs for people that we find it really hard to love to return to him.
every bit as much as he longs for each one of us to come home. Or to put it more vividly, God is even now eagerly watching and waiting for Donald Trump to come home. The elder brother in Jesus' parable <coughs> couldn't handle that. The question is, can we? We sing together, great God, your love has called us here. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we prepare to gather round your table, we acknowledge that you are the source of our being. Through Jesus Christ, you are the focus of meaningful living.
and you are the home towards whom we roam in life's journey. So we praise you here and now, whatever our stage in that pilgrimage, and thank you for every companion on life's way. For those around us here in this room, <coughs> for those we love, young and old, for those who are absent from amongst us today, thinking especially of Irene Allen in her care home, and of others who would be glad to know we are remembering them, though we may not know their particular need. We pray for our BMS partners, especially for Christine Kling in France, sometimes feeling isolated amongst crowds, crowds with no knowledge of God's love, as revealed in Jesus. We pray for those in many lands who have made a profession of faith in Christ, but have no pastor or teacher to help them develop their understanding of the Bible and the faith. We pray for Christian minorities in countries like Syria and Iraq and those who have had to become refugees. We are grateful for the links we have with Christians of other denominations, both here in the West End of Glasgow and through friendships formed in many places and diverse circumstances. And we thank you that many of them will also share in an act of communion today so that we at our table will by the power of your Holy Spirit be in fellowship with them. Some in ornate cathedral, some in shabby hut, some in secret for fear of authorities with no understanding of the purpose and value of Christian worship. We rejoice in our fellowship with all these folk and many more as we take communion here in this upper room and celebrate all who are bound to us in the bonds of Christian faith and pursue their pilgrimage in ways may be very different from ours in the confidence that having tried to follow the way shown by Jesus we shall at life's end come home to one heavenly father to whom we offer this our fervent prayer
Loving Father, we offer all that we are and all that we have in the service of your kingdom. Amen. God, who has run out to meet us in Jesus when we were still a long way off, is preparing a table for us right now. For we have come home, and God is full of wild rejoicing. To those who have come from far away, unsure of their reception, and to those who are always here, hear this. All are welcome at this table. This is the table of the Lord, and God has invited us. God turns no one away empty, for here we are no longer strangers. We sing our communion song, Bread is Blessed and Broken. And so we tell again the familiar story of the first time that this meal was shared. It was the night he was betrayed. Jesus was eating a meal with his friends. He took a piece of bread, gave thanks to God and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me and he gave it to them. Later, after they had eaten, he took a cup of wine and said, this cup is God's new relationship with us, made possible by my death. Whenever you drink it, do it remembering me. 
as the followers of Jesus have always done. We do now as they did. We have set his gifts of bread and wine upon our table. In them, he has promised to be with us. Through them, we remember him. And he will make us whole. So let us give thanks. We say together, the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. It is right to give thanks to God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, it is so good to know that you really lived in the flesh, walked where we walk, felt what we feel, got tired, had sore and dirty feet, needed to eat and to think about where your next meal was coming from. But it's even better to know that you enjoyed your food and the scent of wildflowers and the wind on your face and a child in your arms. You didn't mind when people touched you, even those who were thought of as unclean. You kissed people with diseases and leaned on your friend's shoulder. We thank you for understanding our bodily pains and pleasures and for valuing them. But most of all, we thank you that for us, for all of us, you became homeless, took on our brokenness and shame, and even our death to open a way home for us, to offer us welcome, forgiveness, healing, love. Here now in the company of all your friends, how can we keep from singing?
Holy Spirit, come swiftly, breathe in us, and on these gifts of bread and wine, that sharing your blessing and your broken, risen life, we may share your continual presence and reality. And together, as your body, live at home in your love until that day when no one is homeless. And so we pray with confidence and in our own first language, the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. And so we say together, we have bread, the bread of life. We break it to share it. We have wine, the cup of blessing. It is poured out so that we drink. Here is the body and blood of our Lord, broken and poured out for us. It is the new relationship for us. The bread we share is one. Though we are many, we are one body. Let there be plenty for everyone, everywhere. We will retain our glasses and drink together. We drink together as a sign of our unity. Let us pray. Our brother Jesus, we have shared your celebration and you have refreshed us with love. Now you set our feet upon the way and sometimes where you lead, we do not like or understand. Walk beside us until we find that on the road is where you are. 
and where you are is going home. Amen. Jesus, bless us, lead us, love us, and bring us home. 